I think everybody has this um, to varying levels, but everyone has this brand or image that they project. Like, this is what I'm doing. I have a couple of companies. I'm writing a book. I'm like, oh my gosh, that person's awesome. They're doing all these amazing things. And they are, um, but it's not all that. There's so much more. Um, and everyone has terrible, crappy days, right? <laughs> um, yeah. And I have those days. Everybody has those days. And those days are the days you, you go back and you think about, why am I doing this? Why is this important? Um, and why is this worth it? Um, and those would be days I'd pull out the litter. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the On The Ball podcast, where we have curious conversation about life, career, spirituality, and anything in between. My name is Aniku Tut, a civil engineer turned world traveler, public speaker, trainer, and Toastmasters champion. My goal is to bring you inspirational topics and people that can help you find your own definition of success. When you are ready, it is time to be on the ball. This podcast will be truly inspiring for you and probably for many people you know. So please share the link of the podcast with them. Also, a quick reminder, hit the subscribe and love buttons to get notified about the upcoming episodes. Then share a rating and a review if you like what you are listening to. My guest today is an adventurous, future-focused person who believes understanding and developing a relationship with ourselves and pursuing what is mostly authentically us leads to a fulfilling life. He is a person on a mission, on a quest to empower people to love more freely. As a self-described underdog and champion for the voiceless, he overcame many personal obstacles and trauma to become an advocate for empowering transition, living with purpose and living fully. Noel Berger is now an executive coach and entrepreneur who previously spent nine years in the Marine Corps, serving as a strategic operations and logistics officer, as well as an academics instructor and public speaker. Noel was well on his way towards his military goals, developing and leading high-performance teams across 21 countries, but something was off, an increasing desire for becoming more himself. After resigning and finding his calling in coaching, he attended the Stanford Graduate School of Business and founded a couple of small companies called the Galanta Company, the Social Container and others so that empowering people can become his full-time commitment. As he states, I coach with courage and authenticity to allow leaders the freedom to lead with love. In his spare time, Noah is also writing his first book, bringing mindfulness, human-centered design and adult learning theory together to help people make intentional transitions in career and life. If you would like to get in touch with Noel and schedule a meeting with him, then check out his LinkedIn or website. You can find the links in the podcast description. Today, we are going to talk about loving more freely and making intentional transitions. I'm overly excited to have this warm-hearted, intelligent, ambitious man on my podcast and learn more from his stories of growth, development, love, and change. So let this episode begin. 
But before we do so, I would like to let you know that my first chat interview is available as a bonus episode on my Patreon account. Here you can get little behind the scenes tweak into the world as podcasters. Gain access to the early bird episodes and behind the scenes questions that we do not discuss on the podcast. Welcome to the On The Wall podcast, where our guest is Noel Bolger, an executive coach who is on a mission to empower people to love more freely. I'm very excited for this episode, and thank you so much for being here, Noel. We had a short chat before, and I cannot wait to get started. It is an absolute honor to be on this this, this podcast, to be able to see you here on the screen. Um, you're doing amazing work, and it's yeah, I'm just really happy to be here with you. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you. So I mentioned to you before that I like to redefine things. And this is why I'm doing this podcast to find definition of certain words. And your mission, like your statement is to love more freely. So what does it mean to mm. you? And how do you help others to love more freely in their own lives? Mm. Oh. oh, how much time do we have? Um yeah, I mean, this is my statement. This is this carries a lot of depth and, and meaning for me. Um, and I, I think there are two distinct things that have a relationship. And those two things are love and freedom. Um, I, they, they, they mean something to me. Um, they're, they're two of my, my big core values. Um, to be truly free. Um, to have this, this element of freedom from perception, from freedom of judgment, um, freedom to do whatever is truly you, um, freedom from pressure, right? You could take this in so many different directions, yes. but just to have this, this openness and, and freedom. Um, and, and the second piece there is love and to be able to have a relationship of love with yourself, right? To accept the good and the bad and everything in between. And when you can do that for yourself, right, that inner game changes when you're not constantly running away from that inner voice. Um, I remember there was a time in my life where I could not sit on a couch in silence or go in nature and sound. So I was picking up the phone, looking through Instagram memes or putting on the TV. You know, we've all oh, been there. Oh, that's so common. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, what, what are we chasing there? Uh, I think it's different for every person. But for me, I didn't want to listen to that, that inner knoll that I had been suppressing for a long time. Um, and yeah, once I had developed that relationship, and I'm sure we'll get into that later in the podcast, if, if that's where you want to go. But um, and that inner game changes when you can love yourself really for everything that you are and the past, who you are in this present moment and go honor that in the future. Um, that changes a lot. And now you can bring that to other people, right? To be able to approach other people with the freedom to love them for who they are um, and to look at them as whole and creative and beautiful and resourceful. Um, and now you can create something new together. Yeah, um, but with that understanding. Yeah, that comes with a level of acceptance and we are not really accepting ourselves. So how can we accept others in the same sense? So that's the mm -hmm. question that it comes down to. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, it has to start with the self. It really does. Um, 
I think once you can have that relationship with yourself, you can bring that to other people. Yeah, I was I was just finishing this book, uh, The Four Agreements. I don't know if you read it, mm, but so good. I loved it. And that also says that we need to realize that not everything is about us in the same time that we accept others mm-hmm. and we are not doing all these expectations and assumptions about another person. And when we can get rid of those, we can love more freely. So when it comes to that, what is the power of loving more freely? What can it bring to our lives? Mm. It's magnetic. It's unbounded. Um, it can bring so much. And I, I think it, the same idea of self and then others works here as well. Um, when you have this freedom, you think about creativity. It's probably the, the, maybe the best word to describe to what it can do for yourself. When you think about creativity, you when there's restrictions on that, it's it's inherently going to be very limited, right? You need to be putting yourself in the place of best opportunity, right? And be able to look at things without restrictions. Um, and I think when you can, I guess this loving freely, right? You can, you have your own voice, you can hear your own voice. You can listen to the subconscious, which is informed, right? By all the data that hasn't been brought into the conscious mind. Um, but you can hear everyone else's opinion, right? You're not in defensive mode. You're not in, I'm not sure what the word is here. Um, you can really hold all these others' opinions and understand if that's how they perceive the world, that's how they make meaning out of their, their lived experiences. And those can inform your own experience and your own perception, but your voice is still the voice. So what is your story? What, what did it bring for you to love more freely? Have you ever struggled with it yourself? Oh my gosh, yes, yes. It's the hardest journey is, to, is, is the one with yourself. It's the hardest one, it's the one that causes midlife crises. It's the one that, um, that's a lifelong journey. It's not a one-time thing. Um, and if, yeah, if you fix that one, right. And develop that, then the outer game changes, um, very rapidly. My, my own journey. Um, let's see. I, I, I feel like I've lived a few lives. Um, I think I've lived three. It, and they have very distinct um, beginnings and endings, births and deaths. I I, I grew up in Ireland. Um, I grew up in a in a household of uh, if, if immediate family and extended family, really just systemic child abuse. It was really, really, really bad. And across multiple domains, criminal level, really terrible. And I would say that first life of me until I was like eighteen years old was life of survival. Um, when you have that, that kind of stuff, that kind of trauma happening to you as a child, um, those are really formative years and it's happening to you by someone who's, um, you're naturally going to look at them as an authority figure. You're going to take a lot of your lessons and, um, from, from them. Um, and so, you develop these, these inner stories and beliefs that are not really your own. They're given to you, but they, they become part of that, those, those core 
beliefs and your identity of who you are. Um, and for me, I, I developed a lot of really detrimental inner stories of I'm not good enough or I'm not worthy of love or I'm a bad person. Um, and when you, when those are hammered into your head for 18 years, it's um, those neural pathways are really well reinforced, right? Neurons that wire together, fire, fire together, yes. wire together. And uh, um, I, I suffered from a lot of depression. I suffered from like suicide ideations and attempts. Um, a lot of the, the boys in my family did. And um, I think that what, what got me through that first life of survival was trying to get me and my, my two triplet sisters like out of that situation and to go get, get away. Um, and then when I was 18, I, I went to the U S I had dual citizenship. Um, and that was my ticket. And I think that life ended and the new, the, my second life began when I was, I stepped off that plane at, in LAX and I felt that first warm breath of California air, you know, and I remember thinking, um, yeah, this concept of freedom that America has, right. And it resonates around the world in different ways and with different people, but I really clung on to that in that first life of, I, I wanted to go be free. And you can see that still in my, my core beliefs of freedom. We, we mentioned a second ago. Um, but yeah, I remember stepping off that plane and thinking, um, yeah, I can go do whatever I want to do. I can be whoever I want to be. I could go be as big as I want to as I want to be. Um, and that prompted my next life. I did my undergrad and commissioned into the Marine Corps as an officer two hours after I graduated. And I spent the next nine years in the military um, doing objectively really amazing things that, that most people in the military don't even ever get to do. Um, but it was a life of ego. Right, I was trying to prove these inner stories wrong. I was trying to deal with all this trauma, and it took took nine years to get through. Um, it's a fantastic engine for for high performance, right? Like trying to prove you're worth something, <laughs> but it comes at a cost, right? You're chasing something that's outside of you instead of dealing with something that's inside of you. Um, and I would say at that stage, my um, my relationship of loving myself was, was non-existent. I, I had gone from guilt of like, I did something bad to um, shame of like, I am a bad person to self-hatred of really accepting that shame. And um, yeah, I, I was, I think my, my big moment is, was about three, three, four years ago. I was in, I was stationed in um, Japan working around Southeast Asia as a foreign military liaison officer. Um, and my, my son passed away um, very unexpectedly medical condition. Um, and that broke me, right? Like when you have a kid and you have that baby, you hold that baby in your arms for the first time, like you have this, this new life mission to make sure that baby grows up healthy, healthy and happy and whole. And, um, I wasn't able to do that. And that was my big moment of my big wake up call, um, that unbelievable grief and trauma, 
um, of having to make the decision to take your kid off life support. Like no one, no parent should ever have to go through that. Um, yeah. And so I, I was writing a, a letter to him and I, we've talked about this on a, on a previous call, um, but for your listeners, I, I, Beautiful what you did for I was, son, yeah. Yeah. I, I was so, um, broken by this that I couldn't even speak full sentences. I speak one language fluently and I couldn't even get full sentences out. I would just lose my train of thought. And I would think I was speaking, but I was, you know, it was just complete, um, disconnect. And so I was going through this healing process and I, I wrote, started writing a letter to him and I carry it. I carry it in my desk. It's right here. It's in the, the back of this journal. Um, and I was writing a letter to him and I was talking about all the things that I had hoped we would have done together, right? What kind of man he would have grown up to be, what kind of father I would have been to model that. And I remember looking down at the paper and all the things that I was wishing for him were to be happy and to know who he was and to have really a lot of clarity on that and to know what he wanted to do with that knowledge and to go do it and to be very authentically him and to honor those values. Um, not to chase after fame and money and like all the things that I was doing. And I was sitting there and I was like, if I would have modeled this for him as a father, why am I not doing this for myself? Why am I not doing this now to honor him and to honor myself? That was my big mm -hmm. aha, big watershed moment. Um, and it prompted several years of inner work of who am I? Who am I as a person, right? What are those demons and dragons inside of me that I probably need to go listen to? Um, and taking that first brave step um, to sit in silence and to listen to what's, what's the inner null mm -hmm. talking about. What does he have to say? Um, and that's a really scary thing to do. How often do you read this? Like you carry it in How your... How often do I read? Yeah, the letter. I, I do. I I would say it's at least once a month. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's always in my mind. I think his memory is with me every day. Um, the actual reading the letter, yeah, happens. It happens probably once a month. Yeah. Do you feel you need the reminder to keep going? Hmm. Oh, that's such a good question. I think everybody has this um, to varying levels, but everyone has this brand or image that they project. Like, this is what I'm doing. I have a couple companies. I'm writing a book. I'm like, oh my gosh, that person's awesome. They're doing all these amazing things. And they are, um, but it's not all that. There's so much more. Um, and everyone has terrible, crappy days, right? <laughs> um, yeah. And I have those days. Everybody has those days. And those days are the days you, you go back and you think about why am I doing this? Why is this important? Yeah. Um, and why is this worth it? Um, and those would be days I'd pull out the litter. So in those days, you open it and you read it and you remind yourself that you're doing it for your son, you're doing it for yourself. So how can we start? It's, it's not an exercise for everyone, 
but what shall we write down and what is a self-taught that we should have in our drawers next to us to start reminding ourselves monthly that we can keep going? <laughs> oh, it's so good. Um, hmm. Well, I think there's two things here. One is like being proactive and one is being reactive. And I think the proactive has to be in there, right? Of really shaping that environment um, before, like at the beginning of your day or at the end of your day, you know, but somewhere in a daily practice of, and that could be journaling, that could be affirmations, that could be, um, you know, listening to a podcast or reading a book, right? But something that's really informing in, I guess, force feeding your mind positivity and gratitude. And um, uh, the, the neurophysiology behind this is, is fascinating. Um, and it's finally catching up to what a lot of people have known for a long time. Um, it's really, really, it's really beautiful. Um, but yeah, this proactive piece, I think, is really important of starting your day and trying to filter out some of the negativity or maybe some of those old detrimental inner stories that we talked about a minute ago and really building some new neural pathways that are based in positive thinking and future focused thinking. Um, and truly being in that moment is, is what's going to create that. Um, I, and I, I think the, the letter piece is more in the reactive mm -hmm. stage, right? So not everything's caught through the proactive piece, <laughs> like crappy stuff still happens and, you know, um, and so having um, something you can do as a reactive measure to reset and to really think back is important. Um, so what would that be? I think that varies so much person to person. Um, I, maybe the a way to say it really broadly is just what is your why? Mm -hmm. What's your driving force? But it's so um, hard a lot to of find. people don't know that. <laughs> it's so hard to find. It is. Um, so then maybe there's some work to be done before that. Mm. Um, but once you know your why, you know the direction that you're going, right? And there's lots of swim lanes within that that you're going to go throughout your life. But once you have that direction, it informs everything you do and informs all of your goals, right? Those milestones you set along towards that, towards that legacy. Um, and reminding yourself of that would be the best, I think, reactive measure to take. Yeah. And as we are mentioning the future focused thinking, you describe yourself as a future focused person. So yeah. step by step, how can we get from first life to the third? So trauma, ego, trauma, fight, and then to this future focus, more authentic, free loving person. So how can we transition between these phases? Yeah. It's a lot of work. <laughs> and it's, I would really recommend for people to not try and do this work on their own. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't necessarily mean hiring some big expensive coach. Um, it can be done through community of like-minded people that are trying to figure out who they are, where they're trying to go. Um, it could be through a book. Um, but I just say that it, it, it's hard work and that it's going to take time and to give yourself grace in that journey. It might take a few years. It might take a few months, you know, and it's okay. However long it takes. Um, but I think where it has to begin is an understanding of self. What are, the, you know, what is my identity? Who am I as a person? What are my values? And I don't mean in terms of honor, courage, commitment, big 
fuzzy words that that have meaning, right? I, I, what are the things that are valuable to you that you hold on to that inform your decision making that make you who you are? You know, things like I am a father. You know, I am someone who cares about other people. Like I want to serve other people. I want to empower other people, right? These are all values. Um, and once you have clarity around this is, these are the values that inform my identity, then you can move into this next phase of what activities could I do that would honor those? You know, because when you're honoring your values, it's almost like having an alternator on a car. It's like a virtuous cycle. You're just going to be recharging because it's something that it's part of who you are. And doing that is going to always bring more energy and joy and spark to you. Um, you think back on previous jobs. There's always some things that bring a little smile to your face as you think back on them. And those are probably things, activities where you were honoring your values and who you were. And there's things that made you miserable and depressed and angry and frustrated. And that's probably some of your values were being stomped on. Um, I think back to some of my moments in the Marine Corps and my, it's a very rigid structure. Um, and when I had a boss that I didn't agree with and I wasn't heard and seen and valued and my opinion wasn't taken into account, I pissed off, right? I was frustrated. Because I wasn't, my value of freedom was not being, was not being honored there. Um, so, yeah, I think that's, that, that, might, that would probably be a good starting point of what are my values. And there's a ton of different thought exercises to, to go through, um, to, to delve into that, um, to pull out conscious ones and unconscious ones that you're living and then look at how can I honor those in an activity, right? What are those, those strengths? What are the things that activities that would strengthen me? Yeah. And then you go into, okay, how can I, what, how can I get paid to do these activities? That's the hardest one. <laughs> yeah. 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 But then, uh, so can you give us a technical example? So your main four values are, if I know it well, it's love, freedom, service, and a sense of fun. So how mm -hmm. do you incorporate these in your daily life so that you cover these? So what would be the technical example for these? Mm -hmm. Yeah, these are what led me to coaching and executive coaching. This element of service. I want to help people. You know, I want to help people develop this. We talked about a minute ago, this relationship with themselves and of, of love and freedom and to be able to bring that to other people. Um, and there was coaching isn't the only profession that does that, right? You can think of therapy, you can think of um, consulting in a certain sense, there's certain areas within consulting where you're very people focused, human centric, and you're empowering other people. Um, but when I think about, um, this element of empowering people to create something new and to, there's other, there's other values that I hold that aren't in those top three, you know, around creativity and the future focused thing we mentioned a minute ago, like coaching is very future focused, mm -hmm. you know, it's a little bit distinct from therapy, which resides a little bit in the past and recovery, you know, coaching is focused on the future. And the only time you go into the past is to, to learn from it. The past is a place to be learned from, not a home to be lived in. And what can we learn from this to exist in this moment in peace and then to be accelerate out of this and to impact um, yeah, so that's, 
that those that's how I honor those values is is uh, of service, love, and freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we talked about that when we start living these values and creating these patterns, the positive patterns, then the mm-hmm. other game changes. And we also talked about last time these emotional and social contagion. Can you tell me a bit yeah. more about it? Because last time I was quite lost on what that means and how we can okay. elevate. Yeah, exactly. Elevate it. So if you can light light this up for me, that would be amazing. Mm. Yeah, oh, I love this. Emotional contagion. Um, for all your listeners, go Google Google this. Um, it's it's fascinating to see the some of the neurophysiology and, and the studies around this recently um, and what mirror neurons can do. And, and it's almost a passive way to get better. Um, there's a saying that's been around for a very long time of you're the average of your five closest friends or the five people you surround yourself with. And what that's talking about is, is emotional social contagion. Okay. Um, I, I'm trying to think of an example here. I, okay. So I never thought I was a creative person. Um, and I don't mean creative in terms of like arts and like music and, and, and drawing, you know, just in terms of creating something new, like coming up with new ideas. <clears throat> I never thought I was, I was creative. The only creative idea I ever had was um, developing a, an iPhone charger that you could plug into a, a light socket, right. For places in extreme poverty that don't have like wall sockets, right. They always have a light bulb though. So, you, you know, um, and I, so I never thought I was creative and, um, and then I went to Stanford uh, and, and did their entrepreneurship program. And I came out of that program. I, I, I wish I could turn my, my computer around and show you this big 10 foot whiteboard I have on the wall. I have all these business ideas. There's a whole like probably four foot section of this, of just ideas, um, just of how to innovate um, in, in social entrepreneurship. Um, I surrounded myself for those those months with people that are able and accustomed to thinking creatively Mm -hmm. right and so that was a very deliberate decision of i want to surround myself with that and then i went to another program in executive leadership coaching and i wanted to surround myself and become the best coach i could possibly be i went to the best university um, in coaching and my coaching transformed. It was, it was not information. It was transformation, right? Absolute changing of the form of understanding, making new capacity. Um, I don't know if those, those examples help. It's, it's almost a passive way to get better. You make a decision one time of, I'm going to surround myself with these people. Cause I, they're, they have walked the path that I want to walk. Mm-hmm. And, but then um, how do you get into the circle? So where do you find these people? Yeah. So now I'm like, okay, I want to find these people. So where do I search? Yeah. Yeah. So many options. <laughs> um, I'm going into problem solving mode here for you. Um, and I think these options are, yeah, maybe they're, you have to take them and adapt them to whatever feels right for you and, and your culture and your society. Some some popular ways to to do this. Well, maybe here's an ent- easy entry point of, um, and anyone can do this. Find a podcast, right? Like everyone has time on their walks or the workouts or you know 
where you can throw in your earbuds and listen to some good content, right? It doesn't cost a penny. Yeah, so it um, doesn't have to be the person yourself. around you. Like you are daily in contact with, it could be a book, it could yeah. be someone on a podcast or on a it YouTube video. Yeah, okay. That's that's an easy one. Um, I, I don't know if it's as valuable as a real in-person um, interaction, right? Where you're going to have that live um, adapting to each other and meeting each other where you're at and helping each other. Um, but that's an easy entry point is, is to go listen to Tim Ferriss or Brene Brown or write some thought leaders in this, or if that's what's interesting to you. Um, but another, another really easy one is to find people <clears throat> that are um, either peers in this or that are further down your life pathway, right? They're doing things that I would love to be doing that in 10 years. And you form a brain trust, like a little mastermind group. And you meet once a month and you're like, you know, everyone has 20 minutes to talk about, Hey, here's my problem that I'm working on right now. And you have this collective IQ and an EQ and an LQ um, to help you. And um, it's almost a little board of directors. Um, that was something that I did and it was, it was beautiful. Um, or maybe it's just a happy hour. The Zoom happy hour with with friends. Um, I will say this: if you want to do a formal mentorship, like one on one mentorship with someone, you would be very surprised of how many people would be willing to give you an hour a month, or an hour, two hours a month, to mentor you. If they see themselves in you, like you walk into this, you're like, "This is who I am. These are my values, right? This is. I don't really know what I want to do with these, but I have a dream." of this. I want to do this for the world. I want to do this for my local community. Um, people want to be part of that brain trust to make that dream come into reality. And you know, it's a good mentor when that mentor, I mean, you know, it's an aligned mentor mm -hmm. when that person's like, yes, let me help you. Right. Um, because they share that passion with you. They share those values with you. Um, and those are really, really beautiful relationships. So I would just encourage people to ask. Because <laughs> well, if you don't, then there's no chance, right? Yeah, so. that's what I always say. That, like, I always yeah. ask questions because there's like, if yeah. you just get a no, but at least you ask. But if you get an answer, then you could mind blowing off the answer. But otherwise, you are missing out on an opportunity. So that yeah. that's my point of view on life, at least. That Just ask questions. Yeah. And there's yeah. no stupid question at all. This is very true. And then you mentioned like you were like, oh, I'm not a curious person. But then what is curiosity? And then we tell ourselves mm. I'm not good enough. But what is good enough? So when we start defining those answers for ourselves, then we can find more alignment with them and then fulfill mm. those requirements for ourselves. Or what do you think about that? Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. Um you asked a couple different questions there. My mind <laughs> goes to curiosity and what is curiosity and what comes from curiosity, right? Like that little space. Um, hmm. I have the biggest smile on my face from people that are listening to audio only right now. Curiosity. Um, I, I, I never thought of myself as curious, but it's a, probably a top five thing for me now. Of I have a deep curiosity 
and it's around people and what makes people tick and but really it's for an unknown outcome there's serendipity in there of i don't know where it's going to go um but until you know something and you ask those questions like coaching is all about helping your client look into the hidden corners of the heart and mind right and find new perspectives and you only get that through curiosity so the power of of curiosity and being open to answers you might not be comfortable with answers that you've never thought of before it's kind of scary to do it but the power of it is it could it could change your life and it could change the lives of everyone you touch in the future um it has to begin with curiosity. Mm. Yeah. And to be curious, you have to be vulnerable. You have to be open and you have to be brave. Uh, those <laughs> are hard. Yeah. Challenging. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But because we don't like so to key. be vulnerable because it shows us like we, we open ourselves and we can easily be get like we, we can easily get hurt at that time because we are vulnerable. Yeah. So how can we be vulnerable and still continue with this curiosity, but don't be afraid of this hurt that can come from the, those no's or from the rejected possibilities? Hmm. Yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> and I, I will, I will say, I will say this. I, I'd love to hear your perspective on this. Um, hmm. You're getting the stream of consciousness, Noel, here. I, I don't have a very prepared answer. <laughs> I, um, I think that there always is. The, the reason why it's scary is because there is the possibility of being hurt. And that's always true. Um, and really what it comes down to is, is holding that in the context of what could be possible by opening that part of you up. Right? Because the truth is there's lots of people out there that hold that, that same belief, that same value, whatever we're talking about here. Um, and if no one takes that first step, then it will never be possible. Um, one thing that, that has helped me a lot is because you do get a lot of no's. Um, and when you're, when you're vulnerable like this, there's a lot of people that are not ready for that. Um, and they might, um, and you should be cognizant of that, right? You don't say the same thing to everybody you meet, right? You meet, the, meet them where they are and what they're ready for. Um, but sometimes it's not really what we do that has the most impact. It's, it's how we be. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times if you just be, people will see that and they will experience that and they will feel that and they will take their own lessons away from that completely separate from what you do. Wow. And you may never realize that at all. You're never cognizant of it. I love but that. The people you touch in your life are endless. It's almost like, it's almost like throwing a, a rock into a pond and you might see the first ripple and that first one causes some turbulence, right? There's some splashing. People are like, Oh, <laughs> what, what? But then there's that ripple and that ripple causes more. Um, and I like to be that, that rock. I like to be that person that takes that big cannonball into the pond and disrupt 
Um, and I do that through being vulnerable, through being authentic, through really loving people. Um, yeah. I, I like to think I've, I've helped some I, people and changed some lives. Yeah. I love your answer because for me, vulnerability is what gives the possibility to connect with one another. Because when we start mm. being vulnerable, the other person starts opening yeah. up. So I have a few um, few people I keep in touch with around the world. We started connecting during COVID. And there was this girl, yeah. one of them, she was really shy. She didn't really want to share anything, but I'm like, we are here to share and share our struggles and our happiness and everything that's going on in our lives. So I started sharing. I was like, here it is. This is what's going on. Sometimes it's super funny. So we are laughing out loud. Sometimes it's super sad. Yeah. And then we are sad for each other. But I'm like, the more time I started sharing, the the more she started giving back because mm. we realized when we open up that other person is vulnerable, I'm not alone in my problems. I'm not alone in this world who has struggles. And then we start connecting. It could be a story. It could be a feeling. But that is the possibility yeah. that vulnerability gives. Sometimes, yeah, people don't connect and it's, it's scary. And I'm also struggling with vulnerability. I'm not fully vulnerable yeah. and I'm just getting on the path to be more vulnerable. Because, yeah, people see me as like a tough girl usually. And yeah. yeah, you know, they just tell me everything in the face. Oh yeah, you are you are this horrible, that horrible, not good enough, not too perfectionist, too straightforward, too loud, everything. So yeah, I'm like, okay, you need to swallow that. But in the meanwhile, I stay, still stay vulnerable in a sense that, okay, I can share that with others and mm-hmm. be brave because actually bravery, like vulnerability is bravery. I would say like that. Yeah. 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 Can I share another thought that yeah. you, you yeah, I finished. Yeah, me? I go for it. <laughs> okay. I when you get a, a no, and sometimes these no's are really aggressive, um, they can really affect you. They really rattle you. Um and I think sometimes it can be helpful to place this in the context, the broader context of everything that you've done and everyone that you speak with. Because the truth is, is that person, that's how they perceive you. That's how they perceive the world. That's how they make meaning out of this lived experience that we call life, right? That's one person's perception, right? How do you perceive yourself? It's the most important one. But even to expand it broader, how do, of all the people you've talked to, how do they perceive you? And how are you weighting your, your own opinion of yourself, all those other people's perception of you and his perception or her perception of you, right? The negative one. Because when you place it in the context of everything, it's like, oh, that's just one person. It's not objective reality. It's his subjective reality. Mm. that's what helps me so um yeah Yeah, that's the thing like we need to realize that we live in different worlds we see the world in different ways Mm -hmm. so why shall we believe that whatever you see is what is really true everybody has their own perceptions and yeah coming back to the question that i'm not good enough i'm too fat what is the perception that we are comparing this to and what are the good and bad things that we are telling to ourselves? Because loving freely comes down to not only loving freely others, but also loving ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, um, and if, yeah, the question there no, is like ahead. how to overcome the, these these crazy thoughts that we have. Yeah, yeah. I um, we said it earlier. It's the hardest one, um, and it's the biggest one because when you have that that new relationship with yourself and it becomes embodied, right? Like a lot of executive coaching is around executive presence, right? Like what is my presence and my branding? And a lot of my clients, they want to be able to walk into a boardroom and people know without them saying a word that they're the leader of that. And how do you get to that? How do you get to that embodiment? people can see it it's not vocalized it's seen in the body and in your your energy whatever you want to call this like your presence how can you see that right and that starts with that relationship with yourself right in that acceptance and um hmm. i'm 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 losing the your your my my initial thought here <laughs> i'm going into this visual <laughs> um where were we going with this? What was the initial question? Overcoming the the thoughts that we tell ourselves, no. like this not good yeah. enough and perception of other people. Yeah. So how to get to that? How to get to that embodiment? And um, yeah, there's there's generally, um, I guess what it boils down to is really believing this, whatever that thing it is that you want to believe, right? What your your values are, what your identity is actually believing that right this is who i am right i am this not i want to be this right i am the embodiment of love and freedom and service right like you believe that that's in your body that's in your presence people will see that and they will feel that so how do you get to that um and there's generally five different paths to do that um and if you can establish this thinking that we're talking about, right? I am this embodiment, right? That's going to lead to a certain type of emotion. It'll probably be confidence. It's probably going to be one, right? Love might be another one, or like I am of value will be another one, right? Like all these different emotions and, and thinkings, and those are going to lead to new actions, and those actions are going to lead to those results, right? So you have to really start at this thinking. What are these beliefs and assumptions and inner stories that we tell ourselves? Right. And removing, and I don't really like the term removing because those old neural pathways will always be there, but maybe making some new neural pathways over those around the beliefs that you do want to hold. Right. Because if you can think that, right, an emotion, that action, that result will occur. And with repetition, um, they become stronger. So the, the original thought becomes yeah. weaker. Yeah. So there's, there's really two different ways to, reinforce this thinking and develop a new neural pathway one is through repetition and the other one is through emotion mm -hmm. emotion is much stronger um uh, you can see that for better or for worse right you see veterans with ptsd right a lot of my friends suffer from this right that's a very emotional event that happened to them um it was not it was only one time the repetition wasn't there at all and it probably only lasted a couple seconds but it was the emotion was so strong that now that is perm that neural pathway is permanently in their brain and smells will set it off right like sounds will set it off memories will set it off right so emotion is a, is a big one um, and you can harness that for good right and you know there's there's usually five different paths towards developing 
these new neural pathways. One what is through yeah. affirm. Yeah, one is one is through like affirmation, um, and that's the repetition game, right? Of right, I am this embodiment of blah blah, blah or I will. I will approach people with the deep intent to understand and with love in my heart, right? That's like one of mine. Um, and you can do that in whatever way feels best for you um, and comes most naturally how you best learn, right? Some people are tactile learners. I am, right? So I write that every morning. So that's me, right? Reinforcing that. Other people are auditory, right? So they say it out loud in the shower, some people are visual. They'd say it in a mirror, right? So you're getting auditory and visual. And what you're doing is you're just bringing through the senses this new thing that you want, um, and you're reformatting that 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 part of your that part of your brain. So that's affirmations. Um, yeah, another one is through community. We talked about mastermind groups. We talked about brain trust. We talked about mentorship. Uh, another one's through education, right? Podcasts. Um, books, um, journaling is another one. There's there's several different ways to do that, but really at the bottom of this is how do I reformat a thinking that's going to serve me, and then just build that pathway, and it has to be done proactively. Hmm. Yeah. Does that make sense? I'm not sure. Yeah, if I'm explaining it does this make perfectly. sense. Yeah. Okay. No, so, uh, I know I'm a visionary learner, so like when you were mentioning all those things, I'm like, yeah, I'm looking at my wall and I'm like having all my affirmations in front of me on the wall, like as stickers, and for me, it's That's just beautiful. reading them. So um, it's enough for me. Like, okay, mm. what's what's happening? Okay, yeah. I have interesting knowledge to share. Okay, uh, don't overthink things, and like everything is like yeah. all the crazy stuff that is in my head. Like, okay, thinking over, over and over again. Yeah, we need those. And that's the first step, realizing that what's your your pattern and then trying to break mm -hmm. it with something, whatever helps you yeah. most. But there yeah. are like well-established possibilities out there already, so we don't need to figure it out for ourselves. <laughs> yeah. We have shared so many valuable messages in this podcast. So, and we haven't even touched upon many of the things that you are doing. But imagine that this podcast is now listened to by millions and millions and everybody's listening to it. And you have one minute <laughs> to share the most important message of yours. It doesn't have to relate to what we said before, or it could. What would you say in that one minute? What is your most important message? Mm. It's three words. And it's just be you. Yeah. I have a, one of my closest friends wrote a poem, um, which is you look up. Her name is Christine Guthrie and the poem is called just be you. And it's a series of questions like coaching questions, but formed into a poem talking about what happens if you just be you. Uh, and it is incredibly powerful. And um, if you want, I can send you an attachment and you Please can put it on do, your show notes yeah. or something. Um, that would be my message is to just be you. And um, when you just be you, there is a powerhouse inside of you um, where you become the leader in your own life. And then you become the leader and the role model for other people in their lives. Um, yeah. Just be you. <laughs> yeah. 
And I'm always talking about looking into ancient wisdoms and learning something old every day. That's my one of my mission quotes, to learn something mm. old every day. I realized it when I was traveling that there are so many ancient wisdoms out there yeah. and so many wisdoms yeah. that we can learn. So what is a book? What is an old knowledge? What is something that you learned someone else mm. than you and really stuck with you? And that's a wisdom that you want to carry around for the rest of your life, maybe, or like the next phase of your life. Hmm. There's so many, and I'm uh, I'm trying to think of the one that's pivotal for me. Okay, you can choose top three, um, maybe even. <laughs> top three? No, no, no. Let me think here. Um, hmm. I think the one. And this goes right to what we just talked about, uh, and this is from my father. Um, and he, there's one thing I took away from him, right? Um, and I, you know, from the beginning of this podcast, it probably, people probably think my, my parents are terrible people and I guess objectively they did a lot of terrible things, right? But no one's ever black or white. Everything's just a sliding scale of gray. Mm -hmm. And there's things you learn from anybody. Um, and my father gave me a piece of advice, which was just be yourself. Um, and you're, I haven't really thought about this in a while. <laughs> um, and I'm not, and I guess I'm not fully realizing, um, that connection from when I was a child to what we just talked about with that poem, my friend's poem, um, and how that runs so centrally through everything I've done in my life. Um, and what I ask other people to do with me in a coaching relationship, um, yeah, that's that's beautiful. I'm sitting in that in this moment. I'm happy that I could um, give that to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm trying to think of books in particular that have influenced me. Um, I think one of the things I hold and uh, marvel in every day is just an appreciation of beauty. Um, and for me, I appreciate beauty in other people, right? The inner beauty that everyone holds. Um, that's what, make, what makes coaching such a, an amazing profession is you get to have these little sneak peeks into these beautiful, complex lives of all these people that are passing by you. And you get to have that honor to step in and to collaborate for a few hours. Um, and the person that, that gave me an appreciation for beauty was Hemingway. He's my favorite writer. Um, and I treasure all of his all of his books. He was the one from, from a young age that gave me that, that appreciation of beauty through, through literature. Mm. Yeah. Very nice. And also that how you, how you align that, what you learned from your parent, but you were mentioning that you suppressed yourself, like who you were and what you wanted to be for a long time. So when did you get back to this, knowledge what this wisdom that your father shared with you that be you because you couldn't be you with him and with your family or could you yeah no, when really. did you find your I way mean, you back could, like that hmm. i think in my childhood i wasn't really allowed to be me i was you know being forced into a um into what they thought i should be I'm a very stubborn person. So I made my life, my childhood very difficult for myself. Um, yeah. 
I think, yeah, I, I, I never allowed myself to fully be me until, um, yeah, probably until about a year, maybe two years after my son passed away. Um, I think there was this cognitive realization that I needed to get back to that. And it took a really long time to go through a healing process and that I'm not trying to say, make it sound like the healing process ever ends because it doesn't, but to get to that stage where I was okay with being who I was, because there's a lot of, we talked about this guilt and shame, right? Um, in the past and um, yeah. But then you mentioned also arriving to LAX and I can relate to that. Like when I moved to Denmark first or yeah. moved to London first, then I was like, yeah, now I can really be me. And then somehow you mm -hmm. always drift back. You don't you do. find it. And then, because you did mention also the LAX and you were like, oh, finally I can be whoever I want mm -hmm. because no one really knows me. So no one really can judge me. And then they will build it up. So then what made you go back to come out yeah. again? Yeah. Oh, this is such a good question. You know, when people think about change or like we were talking about in transitioning intentionally, a lot of people think there's a decision and then it's just like a straight line up 45 degrees on the chart, you know, um, and nothing's further from the truth, right? It's more like the stock market going up and down and up and down <laughs> and up and down is, but as long as you're, you're trending up, you're going in the right direction. Um, and the reason why it trends up and down is because of those fighting neural pathways that we have that we're trying to combat and make new ones. And they, they take, that's a long, long journey um, to be able to, to build those new ones um, at the strength that they need to be at. Um, and so, yeah, it's, as I reflect back, it's really been a, a fight. <laughs> it's been a fight to be me. Um, and I didn't really fully step into that until, um, I accepted who I was. Mm. So that's the key word yeah. acceptance, because we can always find, yeah. we can always go back and forth, but until there is that acceptance, we can never really yeah. be just us. Yeah. Because prior to acceptance, you're thinking about what everyone else wants you to be and what society expects you to be and what they expect leaders to be or what they expect a spouse to be and a friend to be. No one ever asks you what you expect of yourself. It's usually a very different thing. Um, yeah. It goes back to that taking agency of your own life, the leadership of your, the leader of your own life thing. I would like to share the poem with you that Noel mentioned. It is written by his good friend, Kristin Gutier. It's called, Just Be You. What if I told you your purpose in life was to just be you? How would you feel to just be? What would you do to fulfill your wants? What would you do to fulfill your needs? What if I told you your purpose in life was to just be you? What would make you smile? What would make you hurt? What would light a fire in your beating heart? What if I told you your purpose in life was to just be you? How would you show up? What would be your style? 
What will make you speak up and sit in discomfort for a while? What if I told you your purpose in life was to just be you? How would it feel to own the skin that you are in? What would you fight for? How would you honor your values from within? But if I told you your purpose in life was to just be you, where would you travel? Who would you befriend? Who would you choose to love until the very end? But if I'm telling you your purpose in life is to be you, who would you be when you are left with the unlocked soul you have freed? This is a poem from Catherine Gutier from the Authentic Ascent Leadership Coaching. Noah has just so much valuable knowledge to share. I have so many questions to him that I did not manage to get to during this episode. Our conversation just went on and on. We were in the best creative flow. In the episode next week, we will talk more about the intentional transitions and how you can make change more conscious in your life. Be sure that you don't miss out on it. Until then, if you would like to check out Noah's work and you would like to get in touch with him, then find his website and LinkedIn links in the podcast description. And now I would like to hear what was your favorite take on this episode, loving more freely is so important. What does it mean to you? What does love mean to you? Please share that with me on the social media pages and just inspire others to find their own definitions as well. Thank you for being here and thank you for listening to this podcast. If you found this episode motivating, make sure that you share it with others and text this to your friend right now who you think would be inspired by this story. The best way to live a happy and fulfilled life is to serve others. So share this episode with people you care about. It has no cost, but will elevate them and make their lives even better. If this is your first time here, click that love and subscribe buttons and make sure that you leave a rating and review. I would love to hear your thoughts and feedback on how this message lifted you up, brought you a change into your life. I would also love to hear your own definition of success. I'm so grateful for your support, sending love and great health to you all. And now it is time for you to be on the ball.